Intentional Living by John C. Maxwell Chapter 7, Part 1 Connect with like-minded people It is a fact that no person can achieve significance alone. It's never been done, nor will it ever be. I learned this in Lancaster, but the idea didn't really take full form for me until I wrote about it in the 17 Indisputable Laws of Teamwork. It was in that book that I identified the law of significance which states that one is too small in number to achieve greatness. People try to achieve great things by themselves mainly because of the size of their ego, their level of insecurity, their temperament or simple naivete. But it can't be done. That was a painful lesson I only needed to be taught once as a young leader. You may be able to achieve some degree of success by yourself, though even that is difficult. But it is impossible to live a life that matters and find significance without other people. Attracting people to a cause. I have always been keenly aware that I have the kind of personality that attracts people to me and to whatever I am excited about. The authors of Strength Finder call this woo while I was at Lancaster. I used this ability heavily. In fact, as soon as I realized that I needed to make a difference with people to achieve significance instead of trying to make a difference for people, I started recruiting everybody I could to partner with me. I immediately began asking others to join my team. I became an Uncle Sam of significance. Everywhere I went, I pointed to everyone I saw and said, I want you. In those days, I had dreams of being a positive influencer in our small town of Lancaster, Ohio. I wanted to build a large auditorium to house our growing congregation. I needed to start social programs to help people in need. I had a great desire to host leadership conferences to help others lead more successfully. My dreams were bigger than me but they certainly weren't out of reach. True significance will always be bigger than the person with the dream. That's why it requires a team of people working together to achieve it. I began to share my dreams with anyone and everyone to see what it did to them. Whenever I spoke, I talked about my dream. If someone stopped me on the street or at the mall, he heard about my dream. If somebody passed me in a hallway, she heard my dream. I was looking for people with a heart to make a difference and who could make things happen. I was developing a leadership track, believing that people who could produce results could always get the job done. That didn't mean I only recruited leaders, but I felt certain if people could make good things happen for themselves, they could make positive things happen for others. I believe that if you have the heart to make a difference, there is always an answer.
but if you have the heart of indifference there is never an answer note if you have the heart to make a difference there is always an answer but if you have a heart of indifference there is never an answer as I spread the word about what I wanted to do and how I wanted to include others many people joined me I was passionate and passion is contagious and that's a good thing because it takes a lot more energy to do something for other people than for ourselves the good news is that I was moving from me to we during this time but I still had a lot to learn many people eagerly climbed aboard the Maxwell train I thought that was success it took me a couple of years to figure out that the people who were joining me in the early days just wanted to come along for the ride they liked my enthusiasm and energy and they wanted to be close to me but they didn't necessarily share the same passion I had for significance for making a difference with others they just wanted to hang out they lacked the passion to make a difference which meant they didn't have the same goal or purpose I did we were on the same train but wanted to go in different directions at first I thought the problem was that they were on the wrong train instead of asking what can we do for others they were asking what can you do for me but then it dawned on me they weren't on the wrong train I had simply recruited the wrong people to get on board the train I wanted to take the significance train I should have checked their tickets I should have shared the purpose of the journey I was taking before I said all aboard this required another shift in my thinking I had to stop proverbial train and allow everyone who wasn't holding a significant ticket to get off then I had to proactively go out and attract the right people and begin the journey again so who were the right people there were people who were making a difference in the lives of others not just people who wanted to hang out with those who were making a difference there is a big difference between the two when you surround yourself with people who really want to make a difference people who crave and are willing to work towards significance there is always a way to make a difference no matter the obstacle how was I going to connect with these people I realized I needed to have a clearer picture of what I was trying to accomplish I needed to get clarity for myself and for my course once I got that I could declare it to others and see how they would respond articulating a dream so I took the next six months to carefully construct a statement describing what I was seeking it became my own vision of I have a dream inspired by the speech of the great Martin Luther King jr. certainly my version was not as good as his how could it be 
but it was the best I could make it. It took me at least 50 drafts before I finally got it to be a version I could live with. It was my first attempt at writing a vision statement that I thought would attract the right kind of people into my world. People who shared my passion to make a difference for authors and it stuck for a very long time. On the next page is what I wrote. I have a dream. History tells us that in every age there comes a time when leaders must come forth to meet the needs of the hour. Therefore, there is no potential leader who does not have an opportunity to better mankind. Those around him also have the same privilege. Fortunately, I believe that God has surrounded me with those who will accept the challenge of this hour. My dream allows me to 1. Give up at any moment all that I am in order to receive all that I can become. 2. Sense the invincible so I can do the impossible. 3. Trust God's resources since the dream is bigger than all my ability and acquaintances. 4. Continue when discouraged, for where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. 5. Attract winners because big dreams draw big people. 6. See myself and my people in the future. Our dream is the promise of what we shall one day be. Yes, I have a dream. It is greater than any of my gifts. It is as large as the world, but it begins with one. Won't you join me? I took what I wrote to a print shop and had it printed and laminated on 5 by 7 inch card so that I could hand them out. I gave hundreds of cards to people. Anytime I sense that someone might be seeking significance, I give him or her a card. When I gave it to people, there was no pressure, no strings attached, and no courtish sales pitch. All I did was hand them a card and say, read this. If you want to join me, let me know. If they ask questions, I took no more than a couple of minutes to share my dreams of significance with them. Every time someone reached out their hand, without realizing it, they were accepting a little piece of me into their lives, and that act alone was another small step towards intentional living. Hundreds and eventually thousands of people joined me. It turned out that my I have a dream card was an important piece of my significance journey because it told people who I was, what I did, and what I wanted to accomplish. It was a tangible way to express what I felt, to put my ideas out there and quickly identify like-minded people who would want to join me. Remember, after I figured out that I needed to consider who I was recruiting, I didn't give the card to just anyone. I only handed it to those I felt had the significance mindset. 
I used it selectively and when I did, it was an easy way to say the ball is in your court. Those who weren't ready to get in the game with me may still be sitting in the bleachers, watching live from the sidelines. Happily though, the majority of those I chose to give the card to took that ball, looked me straight in the eyes and said, count me in. Now, that's what I call getting in the game. I intuitively knew that the way I wrote my dream card would appeal to the right people because the wordings were deliberate and meant to be an intentional eliminator. Why? Because my I have a dream was really a challenge. You see, great vision is a separator. People who migrated towards the vision wanted significance. Those who backed away from it wanted something else, which was fine. I didn't want to partner with people who were choosing to live without passion, without significance and without intentionality. I continued to print these cards and hand them out for two years. And soon the vision began to catch fire. I knew something special was happening when reactions started to change from sure I'll take this card to do you mind if I keep this? I never once asked anyone to join me. I just gave out the cards and said think about it. Get back to me. I left the decisions in their hands and I was attracting the exact people I'd been looking for. Because I am a person of faith, I think I should tell you that it was during this season that I also began to ask God every day to send me people who wanted to make a difference. And he answered those prayers. When people would show up and introduce themselves to me, I would say to myself, he brought me another one. I met sharp people who were going to make a difference and I was grateful. It's hard to express my gratitude to God for these people and how much I appreciate them. But to help you understand, I'm going to jump ahead in my own personal story and tell you about something I did in 1995 after I resigned from Skyline, my church in California. After I had made the announcement that I was leaving, but before the day I stepped down, I sent out invitations to 600 people asking them to join me for a closing banquet. I'm sure they all thought it was a going away dinner for me. I didn't tell them why they were really being invited that night. Regardless of the reason, nearly everyone showed up. That evening, I explained why I wanted them to be there. None of you know this, I said. But for years, I've prayed that God would give me people who wanted to make a difference with me. And he gave me each of you. A hush fell across the room that I would never forget. I visited every individual table that night and spent hours reminding them each person where I had met him or her for the first time. It was one of those rare times in life that I knew how special the moment was while it was happening. 
and I somehow understood that it would never happen again for any of us who were there. Words can hardly honor the depth of emotion that swelled in the room. It filled my heart with blessed joy. Almost every one of us wept because we all understood God had put a plan in motion so much bigger than any of us. It was the ultimate culmination of my decades-long search for people who would join me in the journey of significance. Let me stop a moment and say something important to you. You don't have to be a world-class leader to connect with like-minded people to make a difference. You don't have to be a Martin Luther King Jr. or a Mother Teresa or a Nelson Mandela to be a part of something significant. I hope you know that. In fact, you don't have to be a leader at all. Most people who make a difference don't have any kind of formal leadership position. They're just intentional, whether they are leading the team, working as part of the team, or supporting the team. If you want to make a difference with people, you just need to find like-minded people who share common goals for doing something significant. You just need to want to make a difference together and then do it. I'll see you at part two, factors that connect people of significance. Intentional Living by John C. Maxwell, Chapter 7, Part 2 Factors that connect people of significance My wish for you is that you someday experience the same feeling that I felt at that closing banquet. I want you to connect with people who would go with you on your significance journey. I want you to work with like-minded people and I believe you can. To help you with that, allow me to show you nine factors that attract people of significance to one another. These observations are based on my version of I have a dream. To explain how this works, I'll break what I wrote for my card into sections and explain each of them in turn. They will help you as you seek like-minded people in search of significance. 1. The Opportunity Factor History tells us that in every age, there comes a time when leaders must come forth to meet the needs of the hour. Therefore, there is no potential leader who does not have an opportunity to better mankind those around him also have the same privilege. Significant acts almost always occur in response to opportunities. That was the case in 2013 when leaders from Equip and I had the chance to pursue a transformation initiative in the country of Guatemala by teaching people values. After we connected with leaders throughout the country, including in the government, we were asked to train 19,000 people in one week. What a course. What an opportunity. What a change.
that would be a herculean tax for anyone to undertake how would we ever grab such an opportunity we partner with other like-minded people I appealed to the coaches from the John Maxwell team and nearly 200 of them volunteered their time, flew down to Guatemala City and paid all their own expenses to train Guatemalan leaders in how to facilitate round tables. These coaches really seized the moment and made a difference in the lives of many people because the 19,000 people they trained went on to lead nearly 200,000 people in values round table. But the greatest difference occurred within them. They went to Guatemala to change others but came back changed. They tasted significance and once you taste significance, success will never again satisfy you. What opportunities do you see? Do you see a way to connect others to significance? Or is someone inviting you to join him or her in doing something significant? If you see it, seize it. What you say yes to shapes your life. Sometimes the smallest steps in the right direction ends up being the biggest step in your life. Tiptoe if you must, but take that first important step. Note, sometimes the smallest steps in the right direction ends up being the biggest step in your life. Question, what opportunity do you see right now to make a difference? Number two, the belief factor. Fortunately, I believe that God has surrounded me with those who will accept the challenge of this hour. As I've already told you, if you don't believe in God, I don't have any desire to push my personal belief or faith on you. I place no judgment on anyone. That being said, I know without a doubt that every day since I started asking God to bring me people who desire significance, He has been sending them into my life so that we could make a difference together and God continues to send them. A few weeks ago, I was in an office supply store talking to the clerk. A gentleman walked up to me and said, I recognize that voice. I smiled and spent three minutes getting acquainted with this kind stranger whose name was Troy. At the end of our brief conversation, he invited Margaret and me to dinner the next evening. Then, the following morning, I received this text from Troy. I know you were busy with your book, but I felt I needed to tell you this before tonight's dinner. The Lord woke me up last night and I asked him if he wanted to tell me something. He told me to tell you that I am the one you have been praying about. I have no idea what it means and I will not speculate. I just had to be obedient in sharing it with you. Even before he sent this text, I already knew. He was someone who wanted to make a difference and God had put him in my part. That night, Margaret and I met Troy and his wife, Randy, for dinner. 
I made a conscious decision ahead of time that I would take the conversation as far as he wanted it to go. I didn't want to be presumptive or pushy. I wanted Troy to know our meeting wasn't by chance. I told him these kinds of meetings happen to me often. Why? Because I asked God for them. Whenever God sends another person to me who wants to make a difference and he or she wants to meet with me, I don't go in expecting anything. I am not trying to lead anyone's life or take control. I don't try to use spiritual leverage on them. I know I'm just there to listen and share my story of intentionality and significance. I rarely spend more than 15 minutes talking about such things before suggesting we move on to other topics. That night, the four of us had a nice dinner. Troy and I have sporadically kept in touch since then. He is excited to become a part of the work I am doing. He sees himself as a trainee in our leadership program so he can learn how to grow his businesses. He also wants to move into a mentoring role someday. As a result of a chance meeting in an office supply store that really wasn't by chance, Troy is now working on his own road of significance. You don't have to believe in God's belief that like-minded people will come into your life when you have it in your heart to do something significant. Do you believe that? Do you believe others want to connect with you to make a difference? When someone who wants to make a difference comes across your path, do you recognize him or her? Do you believe enough in that person to connect with him or her and to start thinking about what you might do together to make a difference? Belief is essential for significance. Without belief, you will have a very difficult time living intentionally and striving for significance. Question, do you believe people are coming to you to help you make a difference? Number three, the possibility factor. My dream allows me to give up at any moment all that I am in order to receive all that I can become. If you want to live a life of significance, you will have to give up some things. The pathway of possibility is filled with trade-offs. Why? Because there is no significance without sacrifice. But the good news is that as you trade one thing for another, you will be moving towards a better and more fulfilling way of life. Whether making a difference means making the decision to start a family or making radical changes to your everyday life. Each of us is faced with moments in life where we are forced to stop, reflect and consider our options. Nearly every choice is a trade-off, and we start making them early in life. We will watch television shows or play outside. Will we play in high school or work to get good grades? 
Will we take a job when we finish high school to make some money right away or will we go to college? When we graduate, will we take the job that pays more money or will we choose the one that will give us better experience? The trade-offs we make impact. Well, everything. And notice, the more successful you are, the greater and more challenging the trade-offs will be that you have to make. As I look at my long career, all I see is a long series of trade-offs. The majority of times I changed positions, I took a pay cut. But every time I transitioned to a situation where I had greater opportunities, after making the biggest transition of my career, which I'll tell you about in the next chapter, I looked back at all of the trade-offs I've made and wrote a lesson about it. I used it to encourage leaders to reach for their greater possibilities. Here are the trade-offs I recommended they make. 1. Trade affirmation for accomplishment. 2. Trade security for significance. 3. Trade financial gain for future potential. 4. Trade immediate pleasure for personal growth. 5. Trade exploration for focus. 6. Trade quantity of life for quality of life. 7. Trade acceptability of excellence. 8. Trade addition for multiplication. 9. Trade the first half for the second half. If you want to live a life that matters, you will have to make trade-offs. They are required in our significance journey. And as I already said, they become harder as we become more successful. But know this, trade-offs never leave you the same. And if you trade up for significance over serving yourself, those changes will always be for the better. Question, what are you willing to give up? to make a difference number four the faith factor my dream allows me to sense the invincible so I can do the impossible trust God's resources again I frame this in the context of my faith but the issue here is really about fear almost everything you and I want is on the other side of fear. How do you handle that? How do you get beyond your fears? For me, it's a faith issue. I try to leave everything in God's hand and I usually see God's hands in everything. I don't believe God gives me a dream to frustrate me. He gives me a dream to be fulfilled. Do you want to know something amazing? Fear is the most prevalent reason why people stop. Faith is what makes people start. Fear is the key that locks the door to the resources. Faith is the key that opens that door. 
Note, fear is the most prevalent reason why people stop. Faith is what makes people start. When your dream of significance is right, it should increase your faith. You should believe your dream can be accomplished. Faith should help you see the invincible and do the impossible. It should help release the resources you need. Even if you have a different kind of dream from mine, I believe you can trust God's resources. The faith factor encourages me to start walking and to believe the resources will come to me as I walk. I know they will not come if I sit still. If I stop, the resources stop. Resources come to us when we are on our missions, when we are fulfilling our callings. The lesson I teach most often on faith is this. Feed your faith and starve your fear. To do that, you must give your faith more energy than your fear. You can't reduce fear by thinking about it. To reduce it by taking action away from it. How? By moving towards faith. Before I move on, let me say this to you, just in case you happen to be a person of faith. Most people ask God for knowledge first, and then move. God wants you to move first, and then he gives us knowledge. God asks Moses to go back to Egypt. Moses didn't understand why, and he didn't want to go. But after he did go back to Egypt, he understood what God was doing. The biggest mistake people of faith make is feeling God owes them an explanation. God owes us nothing. The book of Job is a great piece of literature and a terrific example of the faith factor. If you're familiar with the story, you understand that Job suffers terrible tragedy, losing his children, his possessions, and his health. Job continuously asks why, yet God never answers his question. Instead, God takes him through the process. Why? Because it's all about the process. Philip Yancey says, you're concerned with how things turn out. God seems more concerned with how we turn out. Our acting on faith is often how God grows us. Faith does not make things easy, but it makes things possible because it puts everything, including fear, into the right perspective. So if you want to learn, to grow, to achieve your dreams of significance and to make a difference, have faith. Question. Is my faith greater than my fear? See you at the next part. The challenge factor. Intentional Living by John C. Maxwell Chapter 7 Part 3 The Challenge Factor The dream is bigger than all my abilities and acquaintances. Sometimes, I think there are no great men or women. 
they're just great challenges that ordinary people like you and me are willing to tackle. Why do I say that? Because nothing separates passionate people from passive people like a call to set up. Whenever I invite others to join me in doing something big by casting a vision of significance, I realize that some people will respond positively to it and others will run from it. That must have been true when Christopher Columbus was looking for sailors in preparation for his first voyage west. A few years ago, I came across the words that he supposedly posted when looking for his crew. I'm sure it's apocryphal, but I love it just the same. Wanted, bold, brave, adventurous souls to accompany me on an exciting voyage. Final destination, home. First few stops, uncertain, but probably off the maps and charts. Length of journey, unknown. Hazards and dangers, many. Cost to you, your time, money, and maybe your life itself. Rewards, God alone knows, but God alone decides. Opportunity, the one of a lifetime. Will you come with me? Christopher Columbus, written in 1491. At age 68, I feel more challenged to make a difference than at any other time in my life. It is my passion to raise up people as intentional leaders so that they would rise up and become transformational leaders. As I have studied movements of transformation, I have endeavored to define what a transformational leader looks like. I believe transformational leaders influence people to think, speak, and act in such a way that it makes a positive difference in their lives and in the lives of others. It's my dream and my challenge to develop transformational leaders. It's much easier to define one than it is to develop one. However, I have accepted the challenge. My hope is that this book will help you to move in this direction, to become intentional in making a difference and to help make others dear as well. If you and I do that and help others to do the same, we can help transform individuals and communities. Question, are you challenged to stretch to significance? Number six, the attitude factor. My dream allows me to continue when discouraged, for where there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. I've always been impressed by the leadership of Martin Luther King Jr. He was able to inspire so many people to perform significant acts during his relatively short lifetime. It led to a movement that created positive change for America. King once said, The biggest job in getting any movement off the ground is to keep together the people who formed it. I believe a big part of his success in doing that came from his attitude. He never seemed to lose hope. He kept believing in the challenge he was working towards, up to the very end of his life. When I lived in Atlanta, 
I had the privilege of meeting numerous people who both marched with Dr. King and were jailed with him. They overcame a lot to make a difference for those who came behind them. And while King was alive, he kept them together. He helped people to keep their attitude like this. I've often wondered why so many good people stop doing good things in their lives. I've concluded that people lose energy not because the work they do is hard, but because they forget why they started doing it in the first place. They lose their why, and as a result, they lose their way. When their attitude slips, so do their efforts. I believe most people who try to make a difference start out with the right motives and attitudes. As a result, the people they help gain a tremendous amount from them. But what often starts to occur is a shift in thinking from I want to help people to I want people to help me. This is especially destructive when this shift occurs in the leaders. The moment that transition in attitude takes place, the leaders' motives change. Instead of instilling people to whom they can add value and who will join them in adding value to others, the leaders want to attract people who can add value to themselves. When people are motivated by personal advantage, they've lost their way. As a result, they get off track and they can no longer make a difference. When you stop loving people, you stop serving them well. If you're wondering why aren't others serving me, it becomes a source of discontent. And if you're a leader, you forfeit your leadership effectiveness. Attitude so often is the difference maker. I had a friend who once said to me, when life is sweet, say thank you and celebrate. When life is bitter, say thank you and grow. That's a great attitude. And it's the kind of attitude required to make a difference and connect with other difference maker. And let me say one more thing about attitude. It's easy to have a good attitude when life is good. The time a positive attitude really counts is when things are going badly. We don't always choose what happens to us, but we can always determine how we respond. When we choose the right attitude, even when things are going wrong, that is highly attractive and appealing to the people who partner with us. Question. Is your attitude an asset or liability? Number seven. The winning factor. My dream allows me to attract winners because big dreams draw big people. When I wrote the above sentence for my I have a dream card, I can remember how I felt. The dream that I possessed drilled me, but it had not yet attracted many people who could help me achieve it. I wanted to connect with people motivated by significance who could make things happen. But I also wondered how such people might react to my invitation. Would they understand my dream? Would my dream widen the gap between them and me?
Boudi criticized it. When I looked at the people I knew, I was tempted to keep my dream to myself. Sharing a dream of significance is a risk. It can invite ridicule or rejection. But I also knew that if I wanted to achieve the goal of making a difference, I had to connect with good people so that we could work together. So I gathered my courage, took a leap of faith, and made the decision to tell others. The responses I received were varied and interesting. Most people fell into one of the three categories, survival, success, and significance. People interested only in survival hid. They wanted no part of my vision. Some people who were seeking success bought in, but the ones who most readily connected were those who wanted significance. Big dreams draw people with potentials who want to jump in the deep end, way over their heads, and then to swim. Another discovery I made while sharing my dream was surprisingly delightful. Dreams often come one size too big so that we can grow into them. It's like when I was a child and my parents always bought my shoes one half size too big. They would say, John, you're growing. You're becoming a young man. You will grow into these in no time. Note, dreams often come one size too big so that we can grow into them. That's what I now say to people when they first put on their significant shoes. They may feel a little too big for you at the moment, but don't worry. As you start taking steps, you'll grow into them and become the significant person you were created to be. Are you taking the risk of sharing your dreams of significance with others? And are talented, successful, motivated people connecting with you so that you can try to achieve those dreams together? You need those winning kinds of people to make a difference and you need to be one of those winning yourself. When it comes to significance, I still feel like I'm wearing shoes that are too big and I need to grow into them. I'm still in over my head and trying to swim. And that's good. I'm getting older in years but younger in my dreams. That's what makes me love this journey I'm on. Question. Are you connecting with winners to achieve significance? Number 8. The Promise Factor My dream allows me to see myself and my people in the future. Our dream is the promise of what we shall one day be. When I wrote this phrase, I truly believe the worthy dream contained a promise of its fulfillment. But that was a naive mistake. I had made the same mistake most people make about dreams. I thought, if you believe it, you can achieve it. But that's not always true. A dream requires a partner, commitment. Dreams are free. However, the journey to fulfill them isn't. You have to work for your dream. Your dream doesn't work for you. You have to work with the dream and for the dream. The dream is a promise of what you can be, 
but commitment is the reality of what you would become. What starts as a promise ends as a commitment. Question. Have you committed to a part with great promise for you and others? Number nine, the invitation factor. Yes, I have a dream. It is greater than any of my gifts. It's as large as the world, but it begins with one. Won't you join me? We all have a certain amount of luck in our lives, but the best luck is what I like to call who luck. Why? Because who you connect with matters the most. The who luck in your life can be either good or bad, depending on who joins you. I'm sure you know that instinctively. Haven't you met people who work with you who made it easier for both of you to make a difference? And haven't you also connected with people you later wish you'd never met because they hindered your ability to make a difference? I have. All my life, I've looked for ways to connect with others as a church leader, a business leader, and a communicator. But you don't have to be a leader to invite people to something of significance. You just need to be committed to your cause and open to working with others to achieve it. In fact, if you think leadership is getting people to follow you, you may be a good leader. But if you think leadership is getting people to follow a great cause, you have the potential to be a great leader. If your why is big enough to excite you, then, as you share it, it will excite others, especially those who share your passion and dream. The size of your why will determine the size of your response. Question. Are you ready to start inviting others to join you in living a life that matters? Intentional Living by John C. Maxwell Chapter 7, Part 4 A Heart for Veterans Recently, I read a story about someone who began making a difference in the lives of others after he felt compelled to do what he thought was right. That action led him down a pathway of significance that he didn't expect. His name is Zach Fick. He is an officer in the Army National Guard and a collector of antiques. His journey began when his mother, Joyce, bought him a gift for Christmas in 2009. It was a purple heart medal she had found in an antique store. Joyce thought her son would add the medal to his collection. But the moment Zach saw it and read the name engraved on it, Corrado Piccoli, Something stirred within him. Military service ran in the blood of Zach's family. Joyce was a drill instructor. Zach's father had served as a commander sergeant major. He had relatives who had served in the Revolutionary War. The War of 1812, the Civil War, World War I, World War II, and Vietnam. I knew that medal didn't belong to me, says Zach. 
and it sent me on a journey to find a family. As it turned out, he couldn't do that right away because he was deployed to Afghanistan. But after he got back, he tracked down the relative of Piccoli, who had been killed in action in France during World War II. In a ceremony honoring Piccoli, Zach returned the medal to Piccoli's sister, Andeline Rocco, who was 87. I saw something very special happen around that return, Zach says. After the serviceman's death, the family kind of went on their own direction. They all separated. Because of this medal return, I saw a family come together again. And they had their first ever family reunion 65 years after Piccoli's death. That inspired Zach to begin looking for all the lost or stolen purple hats that he could return to their rightful owners or their surviving families. When he'd find one, he'd have it professionally mounted in a shadow box, often with other medals the veteran has earned, and he would present them at his ceremony. Word began to spread about what he was doing. People began sending purple hats they found, and others told him that they were seeking purple hats that had been lost. Eventually, Zach started a non-profit organization called Purple Hearts Reunited to make it easier for people to support the effort and be a part of it. So far, Zach has returned more than 200 medals. After Zach began doing this, he received the Purple Heart himself after being injured in a rocket attack. But that's not what motivates him. He wants to make a difference. For a lot of these families, it's closure, he says, about the Purple Hearts medals he returns. It's the only tangible thing that the families receive after their loved ones died. It's something you can touch, that you can hold, that you can look at, and that's all they have of him. It's probably the most important thing in their lives. The making of a movement. Right now, are you only dreaming about making a difference or are you actually doing things to connect with people who can join you on the significance journey? Movements don't begin with the masses. They always start with one and then they attract others to themselves and their causes. That was the case in the anti-appetite movement in South Africa. In 1941, this is what South African anti-apartheid activist Walter Sisulu wrote about Nelson Mandela. We wanted to be a mass movement and then one day a mass leader walked into the office. Anyone on the planet today can start a movement. You can, I can, and even the guy or girl sitting next to you on the plane, bus or subway can. Movements are about mobilizing people to get behind a shared purpose. There is great power in starting movements because they can change the way people think, believe, and even live. 
They can start out with just a small group of people who believe in something passionately and they can end up changing the culture, if not the world. Today, I have another dream. I want to see people become intentional in their living. I want to see them become transformational leaders who influence others to think, speak, and act in such a way that it makes a positive difference. Will it become a movement? I don't know. I have no control over that. I only have control over myself. I know that it has to start with me, and I feel moved to share it with you. This book is my invitation for you to join me. I want you to embrace these ideas and for the story of your life to change as mine has. I want you to take action to make a positive difference in the lives of others. I want you to connect with others and achieve significance. And my hope, someday, is to hear a million stories of changed lives because people like you and me try to make a difference for others. If you join me in my dream, maybe together we can help create a world of intentional living where people think of others before themselves, where adding value to others is priority, where financial gain is a secondary to future potentials, and where your self-worth is strengthened by acts of significance every day. It's my dream. I hope one day it becomes your reality, but it can come to be only if we connect with others and work together. Intentional application. Connect with like-minded people. What is your dream? Most people who would like to do something significant have ideas and intentions, but they rarely have specific vivid picture of their dreams written out. That lack of clarity makes it more difficult for them to achieve their dreams and to connect with other like-minded people who would be interested in partnering with them to accomplish those dreams. Take some time to write out your dream. It can contain your principles as mine did. It can contain specifics as Martin Luther King Jr. said. It can be a poem, a story, a list. Make it your own but be sure to write it down. You may be able to write it in a sitting, or it may take you months as it did me. That's not important. The process of writing it forces you to clarify your thinking and know what you want. And having it written gives you a record of your hopes and aspirations. Once it's done, you can decide whom to share it with. Start connecting with others to find like-minded people. I know it may seem risky and it may make you feel vulnerable, but you need to start telling others about your dreams for making a difference. Begin sharing it with people who will encourage you whether or not they are likely to join you. Then widen your circle. Begin telling people whom you believe to be like-minded and see where it leads. Now we've come to the end of chapter 7. I'll see you at chapter 8. I hope you enjoyed it.